Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Today Cuban. I want to talk to you. We're going to continue in our Cling to Jesus series. We talked the first week about... Um, how we're supposed to cling to Jesus even when it's uncomfortable. And we talked about persecution and the fact that persecution is coming to the church. I think everybody can agree that if it's happening around the world, it's ultimately going to happen here. And if you don't think it's going to happen here, you are sadly mistaken. The Bible says, Jesus himself said, they hate me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And that's okay because you need to understand that no slave is above his master. You went through what? It's okay. Jesus dealt with that. And no slave is above his master. You were beaten, it's okay. No slave is above his master. Jesus beat that. Jesus took on that for our sake. Whatever you're going through, whatever you go through, recognize that no slave is greater than his master. And we should be comfortable clinging to Jesus regardless of our circumstance. Amen? So that's the crux of that sermon in about one minute. The second sermon, which was the one last week, is that we need to cling to Jesus over our tribes. And I got a little fussy last week. And if that came across, I apologize. Well, I don't apologize. It's kind of on purpose, I guess. Because it makes me mad that we've dissected. It was a sermon about unity. And we have determined that we're going to divide ourselves based on race, by color, by creed, by finance, by denominationalism, by what sport team you support. You know, there's people that won't talk to people that that support Alabama because they're Tennessee fans. And y'all are going to hate heaven, right? Because ain't nobody going to care about football in heaven. Ain't nobody going to care about denominations in heaven. Ain't nobody going to care about the color of your skin or the style of your worship in heaven. You know what they're going to care about? They're going to care about the fact that God, the light of the universe is there, and that we get to live with him, love him, and praise him for all of eternity. That's what we should worry about, but we're concerned with denominations. Well, I can't talk to that church because that church thinks differently than I do. Let me tell you, if they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, me and them can have a conversation. All these other things, do you speak in tongues? Do you not speak in tongues? Do you like instrumentation? Do you not like instrumentation? Those are secondary matters that don't have anything to do with salvation. We need to start realizing that God has called us to unity, not disunity, and cling to Jesus is the answer to solve that problem. I, I could preach that one all over again. But it just, it's sad. You know why we're not, you know why we're losing more people in the Christian denomination, the Christian religion than, than gaining? Because we'd rather fight with each other than fight the enemy. People say all the time, I love Jesus, but I don't like Jesus' people. You guys seen a bumper sticker like that? You know why? Because they're Jesus' people ain't acting like Jesus' people. I would even say that Jesus' people wouldn't act like that, and those aren't Jesus' people. They just decided to put a fish on their car so that they could gain access to your life. So anyway, I'm not going to re-preach that old sermon. My point is, we need to cling to Jesus. In the hard times and in the good times, we need to cling to Jesus over circumstance in our life, denominationalism, and anything else that would divide us. 
Jesus Christ gave us his spirit that we might be unified. One mind, one soul, one spirit, one baptism, one heart. Amen? And today, we're going to continue this train of thought. And I don't know if this is going to be the harder one or the more gracious one or some combination of the two. But I want to talk to you about clinging to Jesus over yourself. Because it's easy to point fingers at folks. Man, the kingdom of God would grow if those Church of Christ folks just start using some instrumentation. And the Church of Christ folks are all, man, it'd be a lot better if those Pentecostals didn't speak in tongues. We'd actually be able to grow the kingdom of God. When the fact of the matter is, we ain't worried about our ten-foot circle around us. I've used this illustration before, but there was a pastor that had got some complaints about the way that so-and-so in the church was doing such-and-such. And he said, I'll be right back. He walks to his office. He goes into his desk. He pulls out a piece of chalk, and he walks it out of the office, and he hands it to the person that, that was complaining to him. And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this piece of chalk. I want you to go home, and I want you to draw a 10-foot circle around yourself. And when you figure out everything within that 10-foot circle, and it's as perfect as it can be according to the Word of God, then start worrying about what's happening outside that circle. Until then, mind yourself. That's good. I can't remember why I said it, but it's good. We have to get over ourselves. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. We have to worry about ourselves, which is hard work, especially in today's society where we put ourselves on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or I, I don't know, whatever else the cool kids are using these days. Right? What's the one? TikTok. And we, we end up pimping ourselves out for a like. Well, maybe if I just show a little more leg, the guys in my school will think I'm pretty. Or maybe if I go without my shirt on, the girls will think that I'm handsome. And we compromise our righteousness instead of clinging to Jesus because we think we're more important than we are. I'm going to drop this bomb on you. You can put this in your notes if you want to. You ain't that big a deal. I don't care what you think you are, who you think you are, what you think you've done. You're not that big a deal. And I say that not from a position of judgment, but from a place where I've come to recognize that I'm not that big a deal. There was a time I was 23 years old. Man, I look good with my shirt off. I take my shirt off now, people would throw up in their mouth. We ain't that big a deal. So instead of clinging to us, how about we cling to Jesus? How about we let go of what we think is important and cling to what Jesus thinks is important? How about we stand for what God stands for? Be who God tells us to be. Your likes, all this kind of stuff on social media, it's only, it's only building a narcissism in you. But it has no significance into how important you are. Angela and I have 1,500 friends on Facebook. We talk to like 30 of them. Every now and then I'm all, we know this person. And I'm sure they do the same thing. We know this person. The greatest thing in the world is for you to go somewhere where you think people know you and nobody recognizes you. Everybody should experience that at some point in their life. You know who the greatest person is? 
Bible tells us who the greatest person is. It ain't the person with the biggest bank account. It's not the person with the biggest um, popularity, the nicest car, the biggest house. It's the servant. It's the Trent Patterson. It's the guy that shows up here every Sunday at 6 a.m. and cleans the toilets and changes the toilet paper to make sure that the people that come here can be comfortable. That's what we become when we cling to Jesus and set ourselves aside. God told us to stop being who you think you should be. Read your word. Do what it says. Be who I think you should be. Prove to somebody that you belong to me. That's what the Bible says. In your obedience, we prove who we belong to. In our obedience, God reveals himself to us. But we have to be willing to set ourselves aside first. Amen. Who we were shouldn't be who we are. We should be unrecognizable to our previous self. There's an illustration. You guys are going to immediately know where I'm going with this. Of the caterpillar and the butterfly. The caterpillar walks, does what a caterpillar does, gets into a cocoon, comes out of that cocoon, and you is not recognizable as the caterpillar that it was. Matter of fact, you could take a caterpillar from one species and a butterfly from another species, and you wouldn't know whether or not it was the same species. They are completely different. This is who we are. We should be completely different. Our nature has changed. This is what the Word of God tells us, that you are no longer who you were in Christ Jesus, that you are a new creature. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, that means baptized into his righteousness. And I don't mean baptized into that. I mean completely submerged in his righteousness. That is a declaration of the baptism that you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? I don't want to minimize that. That's important. The Bible tells us to do that. But to be in Christ is to be completely submerged in Him and baptized in His righteousness. And so he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. It's time for the church of Christ Jesus, the people who are in Christ Jesus, to put away the old self and put on the new self because you're a new creature. You've been given a new mind. You've been given a new heart. You've been given a new inheritance. You've been given uh, everything. Your change of nature has fundamentally, your nature has fundamentally changed. You aren't who you used to be. I'm trying to encourage somebody in here today, which means because you shouldn't walk in the shame of who you are because you're a new creature. You shouldn't concern yourself with the sins that you committed that have been forgiven because you're a new creature. God loves you and holds you and cares about you. The Bible says that he put that sin behind himself, that he threw it into the sea, that he forgot it, that he doesn't remember it. Why should we remember it? We're a new creature, but there's still an expectation of us that we pursue holiness, that we pursue righteousness, and that's only possible. We're only capable of setting ourselves aside as we cling to Jesus. Am I talking too fast? I'm about to pass out. I don't talk to talk myself out of my breath. But it's it's important. I am tired. Righteously indignant of people who walk into a church. Not just this one. It happens all over the country, all over the world, I'm sure. 
and they put their church clothes on. They say the words. They do the stuff. They serve like they're supposed to. They might even tithe. They walk out of these doors and they live for hell all week. It's crazy. You sow seeds for hell all week and then come in here expecting to reap a harvest of righteousness on Sundays. It's not going to happen. God's called us to pursue holiness. And please believe me, this isn't a condemning sermon. I just want you to know who you are and what God expects of you. God wants you to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness, to be sanctified. Now, for the purposes of clarification, let me tell you, if you've given your life to the Lord, if you've declared out of your mouth, according to Romans 10, 9, or 9, 10, 9, that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. You're holy. You're positionally sanctified. You're positionally holy. But we're called not just to positional holiness, but progressive holiness. We still have to seek the face of God, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to put off our old self and put on our new self. The scripture is very clear about this. How many of you got saved and the next day you woke up and were perfect? Me either. Because if there's anybody in here, I'll give you the microphone. I'd love to hear how you, how you live your life. The fact of the matter is, I have to seek the face of God every day. Honestly, there's very few days that I don't have to ask God to forgive me for something. None of us are perfect, but all of us should be reaching towards perfection. That's the prize. God is the prize. We should reach after Him. Amen? And I haven't even started my sermon yet. I'm just super excited. Why do I get loud? Why do, why do you talk so fast? Why do, you, why do you seem so passionate? Because I was a sinner destined for hell. I believe this with every ounce of my being. I believe this so much that at 30, well, 42 years old, I gave up a 20-year law enforcement career believing that God would take care of me if I'd just be obedient. And you know what he's done? He's taken care of me in my obedience. He'll take care of you in your obedience. What's he commanding you to do? Take off the old self. Put on the new self. Cling to him. Ephesians 7, 14 through 24 is what I'm going to teach out today. Teach out of today, although I'm going to make it the actual teaching portion very quick. 4, 17 through 24. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Just so you know, when it says Gentiles, they're talking about the reprobate, the, re the non-regenerate, the, the sinner, the person who hasn't given their life to the Lord. You walk no longer as the sinner, the reprobate, walks in the futility of their mind, in the uselessness of your mind. Did you know before you came to the Lord, you weren't stupid. You were just useless. Oh, that's, that's ugly. It's true. You know why you were useless? Because you had no comprehension 
of eternal things. And because you didn't have any comprehension of eternal things, because the Spirit of God hadn't revealed eternal things to you, the only thing that you lived for was right now. And anybody that's living for right now is useless for an eternity. God called us not to the futility of mind, but to usefulness. I'm not calling you ignorant. Some of the smartest people I've, I've ever met intellectually don't know the Lord. But for all that they know, for all that they've accomplished, for all that they've gained, it's going to be counted as useless at the end of their life. Anyway, futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, which is what I've just told you. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you, listen to this, verse 20 is so good. But you did not learn Christ in this way. You didn't learn about Christ so that you could stay being that person, is what he's saying. You didn't learn about Christ so you can continue to be useless. You learned about Christ. God revealed himself to you, removed the callousness of your heart, gave you a heart of, moved you from death, according to Ephesians chapter 2, to life, gave you a heart of flesh out of stone, according to Ezekiel, for a single purpose. So that you might know him, so that you might recognize him so that you might live for him and according to him amen but you did not learn christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in jesus that in reference to your former manner of life you lay aside the old self you know what the old self is the old self is that sinner that reprobate that person that is useless in their mind we're being told sit that down Pastor Jim, what's that look like? Let me turn to Galatians 5. Let me kind of give you an explanation of what that looks like. And this isn't an inclusive list, but it's pretty it's pretty good list. Chapter 5, verse 19 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. The deeds of the flesh, these things that we have to take off, are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. These are who we were before we gave our life to the Lord. Any of these sound familiar to any of y'all? Let me tell you, they all sound familiar to me. I was all of these things. I was more concerned with the sensual things, the impure things, the immoral things. I made idols out of everything. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. People are all, you can't talk to me like that. I'm not talking to you like that. The word of God's talking to you like that. If you're going to be this person, expect that the end result, the end result of your useless mind, your reprobate mind, is that you will not spend eternity in heaven. And I'm not saying that to be mean to you. I'm saying that because I love you. Bible says the wounds from a friend can be trusted. If I wound you, it's because I love you. I told you last week, I would rather say something that's offensive to you and true, and you never talk to me the rest of my life, but I see you in heaven. And for you to love me my whole life because I told you a lie, 
and you search through hell for all eternity looking for my face. We have to be willing to tell people the truth. And the truth is, we have to take off who we were. Jesus Christ died so that we don't have to be who we were. He had his beard plucked out so we didn't have to be who we were. He had his body crushed so we didn't have to be who we were. He was beaten by a cohort of Roman soldiers, which is up to 600 soldiers, so that we don't have to be who we were. I've been punched in the face a lot, but I've never been had 600 dudes come at me. You wonder why he was unrecognizable? He was beaten so badly. This is why. They blasphemed the name of the holy God. They put a crown of thorns that dug down into his skull. They put a purple linen across his back to mock him long enough for that blood to coagulate over those nerves and then peeled it back again, exposing those nerves fresh and anew. Oh, the excruciating pain that Jesus must have gone through so that we have the privilege of being able to take off our old self and put on our new self. Amen. We've been called to set it down, to set it aside, to leave it there. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I don't know that perfection will happen in your lifetime. I'm not a holiness preacher. There's a faction of preachers out there that believe you can achieve holiness in this life. All I know is that the Bible tells me I have to pursue holiness. I have to chase after God, cling to Jesus. Amen? My life's too tumultuous to not think that there's some immovable standard out there that I can grab a hold of regardless of what's happening in my life. And that immovable standard is Christ Jesus. And he calls us to take off our old self and put on our new self. We're clinging to Jesus. Or clinging to self deforms us, which is what I've been talking about. Clinging to Jesus reforms us. Did you hear what I said? Clinging to ourself deforms us. Did you know we weren't supposed to live like this? The original plan of God wasn't that we live like this. God didn't create Adam and Eve to ever die. You know what the Bible's about? The Bible's about the restorative process of God through the work of Jesus Christ to get us back to where we never should have left in the first place. But we were deformed by sin. All of us, individually, both, both by birth and by action, have allowed sin to deform us, to create some other image in us besides Christ Jesus. But Christ Jesus died to reform us so that we may again be that image bearer that God created us to be. But that's only possible as we set ourselves aside. Clinging to Jesus reforms us. Amen? That's good. God's good. But it's not easy. I wish I could say, this is what I need you to do. I need you to make a decision to start today. You're not going to sin anymore. And I'll tell you, if you made that promise to me, I'd call you a liar. 
Now you can make a decision to try not to sin anymore and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to not sin anymore. But the crucifying the flesh, which is what we're called to do, is a process. That's why it's called progressive sanctification. The point is, I should be better now than I was when I got saved. And I hope that I am. Do you know when we first started the church here, a couple of y'all were here the very first Sunday, this room was packed full of people. Like it was packed full of people. And I thought, man, this is going to be awesome. Look, we've already got a full service. We're going to have to go two services next weekend. And then I started talking to them and found out half of them were there because they couldn't believe this craziness that is Jim Cubic preaching. They're all, well, if Jim Cubic's doing what? i got to go watch that side show. You know how I know that's true? Because half of them did show back up the next week. Not out of hatred or disgust for me. They just they couldn't believe it. But you know what they saw? They saw that the Jim Cubic that they knew wasn't the Jim Cubic that they can know. Who I was isn't who I am. And who I am now isn't who I will be. That's the commitment we make when we follow Jesus. That's the commitment we make to righteousness, to pursue God with everything that we have, relying on the Holy Spirit to help us destroy the old self and put on the new self. But it's not going to be easy. But you know what? Nobody promised us easy. Did anybody promise you easy? I want you to go back. I want you to punch them in the mouth. Because they're liars. Don't punch them in the mouth. Somebody, somebody probably actually told you that. And you go punch them in the mouth. And you're going to be like, my pastor told me to do it. And then we don't get to buy a new building because we get sued. So for the record, don't go punch them in the mouth. But it's hard. Even Paul struggled with sin. Did you hear me? People are all, man, I wish I was like Paul. Paul just as jacked up as you were. He was just committed. He was convictional. He was unwavering. How do you say that about Paul? I say that because Paul said that about Paul. In chapter 7 of Romans, he says this. So now, no longer am I the one, am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. He says, sin dwells in me. I'm not the one doing it. The sin in me is moving. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. So he says, I want to do good. But sometimes the doing just lacks. Y'all ever have a distance between your wanting and your doing? I do. Man, I want to do this. But then I do this. But then he goes on. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want... I am no longer the one doing, but sin which dwells in me. Paul had sin in him. This is a message of grace. Because God allowed Paul to write so much of the New Testament, and he even allowed him to put this in there. Because he didn't want us to think that he's ever, that we are ever to the place of perfection until we see him again. We are always going to be in this struggle. Don't, I said this a couple days ago, don't despise the struggle. God perfects you in the struggle, but fight against it. Make the struggle happen. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body. And then he uses these, this verbiage, waging war. 
against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. He said, I'm having to wage war. I'm calling you to wage war against the sin in your flesh. God calls you to wage war against the sin in your flesh. Cling to Jesus is the only way that that's possible. Set, a self, set yourself aside. Put on Christ. Know that it's not going to be easy, but be determined to chase after God with everything that you are. Amen? It's a challenge. I know it's a challenge. It's a challenge I live with every day. And honestly, I hope you do too. And you know what we do? When we fall short, we ask, we, we ask God's forgiveness. And the Bible says that he's faithful to forgive us and restore us back to relationship. Not just that he's faithful to forgive us. Y'all ever forgive somebody but decide not to be in a relationship with them anymore? I have. I forgive you, just don't ever talk to me again. But that's not the guy. And I wasn't even being ugly. I just, you know, the trust isn't there. I just, just boundaries are boundaries, and so we're just not going to be in a relationship. I forgive you, but we're not, we're not, we're not going to hang out anymore. God says, I forgive you, and I'm going to restore you back into relationship with me because my son died so that you can be in relationship with me. My challenge today, the challenge that I issue, is that you ask yourself, how much of the old self am I still carrying? Can I commit to seeking after God, clinging to Jesus, and allowing the Spirit of God in me to help remove those things from me so that I may put on the righteousness of God. That verbiage was very specific. Can I tell you, you can't discipline yourself into godliness. You can Holy Spirit yourself into godliness, though. You can rely on and fall back into the Spirit of God to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment and then pay attention to those convictions. And at some point, somebody's going to look at you and be all, you're a different guy than I used to know. Or you're a different girl than I used to know. And you know what you get to say? It's because I cling to Jesus. And I praise God for it. Amen?